0: This boy and girl are going to be well-equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers in the breaking of all things normal. All right, y'all. Back-to-back podcast recordings for me. Yesterday, I recorded uh, with Mason Taylor from uh, Superfeast. He's like an Australian herbalist. Taoist herbalist, you would say. Today on the show, we got who I'm looking at right now. We got Dr. Joe from vitalharmonics.com checking in from Topanga, California, which I'm excited to talk about. And tomorrow I'll be interviewing a super mom of like four or five kids that are like all teenagers. And she looks like she could be a teenager herself. And she's like a freedom fighting ancestral eating amazing woman that knows something about bonds to threaten politicians who are threatening us with mandates. So I'm very fascinated by that. So you're catching me here in a bender, Dr. Joe. And let's talk about Dr. Joe real quick. He looks good. He looks sharp. I'm not sure where this video will be. He's got a full ass beard. I mean, I guess one of the <laughs> best beards I've seen. He is in a white coat because you are a medical doctor, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah.
1: Um, I trained at LA County. Uh finished my training there in internal medicine in 2017. And, uh, since then I've been kind of working in a very dynamic way. Uh, I've I've done house calls with people. I've seen patients here at my home office. Uh, I've been in the ICU, been in the emergency department, been in, uh, on the wards in the hospital, Mm -hmm. you know, from the allopathic standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 2020, a lot of us made a, a pivot and, uh, I did, I did that as well myself, kind of uh, hankering into my, my truth and my, my, uh, my integrity and, and said, I need to kind of diverge and uh, put together a practice where I feel comfortable treating people the same way I would treat myself, my mm-hmm. inner circle, my family. Uh, so here I am, you know, I'm using uh, Ayurveda as a vernacular and I'm also using a... Uh, a subset of medicine that was a little bit more popular back in the 1900s uh, earlier 1900s uh, called vitalism where we're basically looking at um, vital signatures in different plants and different uh, compounds in the earth and looking at the elements air water air air water ether fire and earth looking at that in, in, in people and using um, using a, a information. On the balance of that, to bring in um, appropriate treatment, and that really falls in line with Ayurveda. It's like part and parcel, seamlessly integrating to that uh, modality in terms of in terms of taking care of people and treating people.
0: Wow, wow! Thank you for sharing all that. That's really inspiring and amazing, and it's uh, really cool how we know each other. How do you how do you think we know each other? I would love to hear your version of it.
1: Uh, uh, we go back, uh, Daniel, as far as, uh, as far as 2017, I met you at one of the, the raw bras retreats over there in, uh, British Columbia. Or I don't know, were you calling it raw bras back then?
0: I think that was, uh, potentially an international tribe design.
1: International tribe design Met JP Elliot Hulse was there and, uh, met, uh, met Kevin, met Ryan, met, uh, Jordan over there. And it was, uh, it was a cool uh, little gathering there kind of um uh was was an opportunity to to uh interact with people over there and, and uh it kind of changed a little bit the way you know kind of the way i was seeing things a little bit and uh was a good opportunity to just kind of interact that way and i just you know it's been it's been nice to kind of follow your journey daniel subsequent to that and uh see your trajectory kind of on all the fluctuations from the dinosaur wieners all the way to the, uh, to the tribe vitamins, uh, and, uh, you know, and see how, see in the flesh kind of how you do your work. And, and, uh, it was, it was a good, good, uh, introduction there.
0: Yeah. I love, I love thinking back on British Columbia, Holy mackerel. And even thinking like you mentioned, Kevin, Ryan, JP, there was Jordan Tyson, Frank J Benji, Diana, like all these people are also on the Breaking Normal podcast. So it's quite the tribe uh, that I'm stoked to be designing with you and you being part of this ongoing conversation about breaking normal culture and uh, maybe tapping something into something bigger. Um, and I remember us eating a lot of oysters there. There were
1: oysters at, at, at the, uh, the retreat, I wasn't partaking in that. Daniel, I've been I've been a dinosaur wiener muncher from the from the get go.
0: <laughs> oh, and are you still only munching on dinosaur wieners? If we're speaking, and just so if anyone's not uninformed, basically when I did the Raw Braz YouTube channel, where we were promoting a raw vegan diet for a solid season um we would reference really ripe organic uh spotted bananas as dinosaur wieners it actually became quite the meme and i still love my dinosaur wieners to this day just as much intention as well i probably put more intention to stor- storing bison organs these days but uh, you better believe that i 99 of the time i have dinosaur wies- wieners chopped into little pieces frozen in mason jars in my freezer because what better fuel is there for a smoothie especially mix, mixed with some raw milk but it sounds like you might not even do you do a pure vegan diet or vegetarian diet what's your what do you, what do you what do you do in dinosaur wieners these days
1: no daniel so for the past uh, i would say probably good part of 15 years uh i've been uh mostly on kind of that that lacto uh veg uh kind of diet that that kind of vedic type of diet where i'm eating Predominantly warm foods, cooked foods, and uh, fruit, as well as part of that. But I, I kind of, I'm okay with uh, milk that is is really taken care of, uh, and
0: uh, I'm, I'm okay with the raw milk and all that. So, uh, that's are you are are you okay with it, or do you enjoy consuming good raw milk? I enjoy consuming
1: good raw milk, and moreover, I enjoy consuming products that are made from uh, from milk, like like uh, kefir, like yogurt, curd, buttermilk, ghee. These things are a little bit more uh, integrated into my diet because it's, it's something that serves, serves a purpose. Milk on its own, it can be a good, what we call in Ayurveda Anupana, like a good vehicle for working with different herbs that I, I, I work with in my practice. So for example, someone who is having issues with their datu or their testes, for example, the testes tissue, using milk in combination with an herb like ashwagandha or using milk, uh, with a, with the, an herb like shatavari, that's going to send that herb because that milk has an affinity for the testes It's going to send that herb with it, you know, as, as a vehicle to, uh, activate, uh, that, that appropriate tissue in the best way with, with, uh, the of, of milk. So myself, I don't use it as a big nourishing thing. It's more of sometimes a medicinal thing. And, um, and not all milk is created equal, of course. You know, so we have the, the Desi cow milk and we have the, the kind of the Jersey cow milk that we get more in the United States. The Desi cow milk, it's like an a, what they call it A2 milk. It has a little bit of a different nutrient profile um, than, than the Jersey cow milk, little bit different way that the cows are taken care of over there. Like for example, if you go to goshala these cows are being like, you know, literally, I mean, they're, they're, they're being, that gratitude is being given to them um, they're members of the family, their urine is used in medicine. Their stool is used in medicine, uh, and, uh, gaomuter, what it's called. And it's used in basmas, like these alchemical formulations that, uh, you know, the animals really celebrate it. And that's what I love, love about it. It's kind of from an ethical standpoint, I, I, I made the decision, Hey, you know, at this point in time, it's not necessarily about, you know, any different food. We can find the prana in that, you know, the energy in that. The, the, the molecular energy, the bonds that make the molecular structure of the amino acids, the protein, of the vitamins. And it's up to us, our agni, our, our fire energy, agni means fire, you know? And that agni is found in every single cell of our body. Predominantly the big fireplace in our body is the stomach, the digestion, right? Um, and then we also have, I mean, agni in the mind. We have agni everywhere. It's one of the five elements, fire. And that agni, it's a transmutative force. Okay. So that transmutative force can transmute using oxygen, using air, and it can transmute uh, most molecular compounds to produce what we need when we need it. And that, that uh, requires an efficient, uh, uh, and, uh, an efficient mitochondrial function. And it requires just the, the throtas or the channels of the bodies the nadis of the bodies being in in perfect harmony, perfect balance. And so those molecules can turn into things like cholesterol, can turn into things like DHA, can turn into things like these biomarkers, these moodies that we might think that we need to uh, seek in the ready, ready to access form in the, in the animal foods.
0: Wow! I'm so amazed. Uh, I'm, I'm just like so captivated right now. It's like, how are we going to keep this to one hour and 11 minutes? So I'm well, here. We go. I'm going to really aim to be efficient and see where this conversation takes us because there's so many things I want to talk about. I mean, firstly, one of the the only thing that I wrote down. Uh, this is what I wrote down on my. I do this notepad during this podcast, which might be a book one day at this point. Um, it's got the bison heart in the front of it. Um, but I take notes on each podcast, and before I started, I wrote Horse Urine, LA, Joe Rogan, Doctors, Mandates, Lockdown. Um, and I think that's it. But now I have all kinds of new things written down. And uh, I like that you brought up the A2A1 real quickly, that you know, I did talk about a previous podcast guest, uh, Alice from the Golden Hoof. She runs this like regenerative permaculture like full scratch, like from start to finish farm where they sell their byproducts, um, like eggs, meat, milk, and under a private membership. And they sell tribe vitamins as well. And uh, man, what an awesome guest she was. And she was definitely proud of her A2 producing or A2 protein producing cows Okay, and, and and how they may come from like a less genetically modified breed and how that's easier to digest. But if anything you want to add to that, because I, I felt like we left that loop open. So I would love to hear on that topic real quick.
1: Yeah, so there's, uh, you know, if, as far as my knowledge, I haven't dove too, too far into the, the science of it. I just know that the auspiciousness of the desi cow, they tend to lean towards more of the, that A2 protect, production of the protein. It's the protein milieu, the casein, um, the, uh, and, the, and the, other, the other proteins that are found in the whey that uh, has a has a milieu or a profile that is kind of more easy to integrate um, by the by the uh, by the, the the human organism. Not only that, it's also uh, has a kind of a vitamin profile. but A vitamin profile. You see, it, it's a little bit more. If you look at the the ghee that's created from that type of cow that produces that type of milk, it's a little bit more orange in color. A little bit kind of uh, more. Dark in color, and that's uh, kind of hankering back on. If anyone's uh, kept up to date with, like, the Western Price documentation of different compounds being found in not only ghee but butter and milk and milk product, um, you know, menaquinone and uh, cholecalciferol, vitamin D. Uh, these these types of milk products were a little bit more rich in that, and they have also that characteristic orange hue to it, and it's just just a, a pedigree of the animal itself. It's it's a, there's something more than just the molecular breakdown, you know, that we can look at with a microscope. It is also the the characteristic of that reverence that has taken place over generations that has cultivated such a breed that has intertwined with society in a way where it is, it's accepted as a member of society in a way, you know, accepted as a member of society. And not only that, there's a, there's a level of, um, you know, uh, of auspiciousness with the animal, just like the cow, they have the cow in India. The buffalo provides that type of cognate in the Americas. You know that that buffalo is a sacred animal. You know, so uh, it has it has a, it has, a it has that pedigree, and just by that genetic pedigree of that reverence and that interaction with the humanity, it uh, it serves humanity in a more deep, profound way versus something like the past. I don't know how many generations of Jersey and heifer and Angus cows that you know maybe have not been
0: as respected as those uh, animals in the past. Wow, so fascinating. I mean, this. All right, so I'm just going to jump to this idea that was coming up as you were talking. Imagine um, for someone in your position or another person's position that about how the, how you eat and maybe there's some ethics mixed in there. Um, what if a cow or a bison were to just die on its own rather yeah. than being killed for meat? I was wondering about that. And then I started thinking, like, have I ever eaten an animal that died on its own? I'm not right. sure if I have. Is that even a thing people do?
1: Yeah, this is a good discussion. Well, from from a kind of like a yoga perspective, death, decay, and um, infirmity, and stagnation and kind of that spoiledness, the rotting nature of maybe an infirm animal that were to die like that, that is tamas. Tamas guna is a quality that reflects decay, uh, reflects, um, reflects stagnation, reflects what I just mentioned. Okay? So it would not be advisable to, to eat an animal like that
0: yeah i started thinking about it as well i'm like i'm imagining most of like the organs are failing and the meat would be just not tasty but um, and that was a fire jet going over or something that was a that was that was an airplane yeah <laughs> yeah so you're in topanga canyon let's talk about that area a little bit real quickly because uh, the way i picture topanga is in los angeles is that like i do not need i do not want to be in Los Angeles, except if I'm in uh, uh, the Malibu beaches and or Topanga Canyon, and I could stay there. I could stay there. Um, what was that? How'd you get, how'd you land there? How does Topanga relate to like say downtown LA? And I don't even, I'm scared to even think about, but how's that all rolling with you these days?
1: That was my journey, uh, Dan. It was, my journey was actually from downtown to Topanga a couple of years ago. It was the riots going on downtown uh, LA, and you had tanks and uh, Hummers lining both sides of the street. And I was there in my U-Haul. I packed up all my stuff from my studio. I lived. I moved to downtown from, from Taos, New Mexico, where I was previous. And I uh, I, I put uh, all my stuff in there, and I made it to basically this Shangri-La was kind of a stepping stone. I thought I was gonna transition past here, and. What uh, what what ended up happening is I found community. I found people, you know, who are like minded, and I had the beach, just like you said, Malibu beach down down the way, and I have got a little gulch, a little canyon that is right behind me. There's a creek that's running behind there, little waterfall over here. So oddly enough, this real bubble of nature that is found just a stone's throw from from Babylon, and uh, it's been hard to 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 budge me and i feel like it was just so much synchronicity and serendipity that occurred when i had just moved in here it seemed like i was a like a i don't know just a an implant right here for a specific reason and i'm just holding it down i'm holding the anchor down here for for the time being and uh it's been really beautiful to have patients come over in a setting you know especially when they're coming from la and they're coming to the home office right here and i'm taking care of them they're you know you can see just that vata dosha that anxiety that stress that melts away a little bit and uh all of a sudden you know most people when they see a white coat their blood pressure goes up a little bit but uh you know when I check a lot of people's blood pressure on the cuff here
0: it tends to be a little bit lower you know than it typically is it's a big deal these bubbles I mean, that was my previous conversation was a lot about bubbles and it's a big deal to, uh, paying is a big deal in my opinion it is, it is one of the, and so is Taos. Yeah. Taos is, yeah Taos, awesome. Taos is where I live right here in West Boulder, West Boulder, in particular. Have you spent time here in West Boulder? I have not. I have not. Maybe
1: a little bit Southern California, Colorado when I was up in Taos, but not over there. we we'll come visit.
0: Um, do you have a book coming out or anything?
1: Book it's, it's, uh, it's in the works, you know, it's in the works. I do have a I do have a guide for especially patients who um, have asked me how do I prepare my food? What's the what's the first step, you know, because that's a lot of what inspires people when they come across um, you know, what I've been putting out a little bit or what I've been speaking of, or when people come over here and they taste the food that I'm I'm cooking up, like how do I make it? Where do I start? Why why does it taste like this? Why do I feel better? So I said, listen, I'm just gonna take the time and put together You know, it's like a seven day thing where you can get the tools and just get the, get the technique down to start doing that yourself and be sovereign in your own kitchen and, and, and take care of it that way.
0: Kitchen sovereignty. Um, Do you make kitchery?
1: I do kitchery. That's the prototypical, that's the Ayurvedic chicken soup, you know kitri is good. You know, it's a good thing when you're, you're tired at the end of the day and, uh, you know, you just throw the rice and the lentils together, uh, you know, the mung dal, you put it together. And, but it's not all kitchari is the same, Daniel. Maybe some kitchari you had over there in Boulder with the Boulder folk, you know. <laughs> it's, I, could all, I could taste it from here. It sounds like it needs a little salt.
0: <laughs> um yeah so actually a previous podcast guest made quite a bit of kitchri for me and her name is uh i think on the podcast naga i think it's one of the you know boulder people people in boulder rename themselves a lot i mean i'm not sure if you've renamed yourself nothing against that that's a seems like an interesting idea but uh i think naga Devi Lakshmi. yeah Anyway, it's a great podcast so fascinating and yeah I ate some kitchery from her <laughs> and um Woo-wee, woo-wee. There's a lot there. (laughs) Oh, the urine, the urine, horse urine. Because, all right, so let me just say this. Yeah, For tri-vitamins, you said dinosaur wieners, to tri-vitamins, I like that bridge to gap. Um, It's true. It's true. I feel really, when I was a raw vegan, I felt really good on dinosaur wieners and all fruit and some vegetables um, for about six months, and then I didn't for sure. I did not for sure. My testosterone plummeted. Um, and I actually went to the doctor and got it checked and I think it was like 89 or something. Yeah. They were going to prescribe testosterone and I ate a piece of wild salmon that night, a big piece of wild salmon. And you've probably heard this story before, but then I woke up the next morning, like morning wood. And I felt like I was a whole nother person. Like my whole mind was different before I was like much goofier and, um, like flighty, like a hummingbird sorts, uh, and, and, uh, women, like they did not pay attention to me. I knew, and I didn't pay attention to them. I, but right when I ate that salmon, I think I was like, Whoa, for sort of literally, and like just full on, uh, uh, my essence. I was like, wow, now I'm like, I feel sharp. And, uh, and also made me want to look for women at the same time. And then, um, for the organ meats now, like what well, I really, a lot of the day, I just basically eat organ meats, and, uh, I eat like little other superfood, green powders, beet powder, like purium stuff. I eat, uh, and then I eat try vitamins and other organ complexes or organs or like bone marrow. And man, it is a, uh, Maybe it's the Maybe it's really good for the season I am in because I do feel like I'm on the front lines of the spiritual war of a lifetime. But this stuff also really works. Uh, and like we mentioned this about the testicles earlier, I have a, I have a, I've manufactured a batch. Like it's basically it's getting the bottles that work on. the call heart on, and it's okay. because we had like pretty much all the bison testicles available in the country to make something like this. And it's not much at all not much at all. Um, But eating that stuff raw. So we're going to do, we're going to create a batch of 34% bison testicle and then 32% heart and 33% liver. And it's going to be called a heart ton. And it is a baby. In my opinion, it can be like marketed as a baby maker or a muscle maker, but we only only have like a hundred bottles or so available. And I, and I bring all this up just so people know about that. And I want to, why do you think that I feel so good eating those bison organs specifically and from hundred percent grass-fed, grass-finished bison, a uh, raw and freeze-dried or raw. And um, man, my dog is scratching at the door. So after you answer this question, maybe we'll take like a five minute or that's rare for her to scratch at the door. <laughs> she might hear me talking about all this bison meat. Um, but I, well, other crazy story, like did you know that orca whales kill great white sharks to remove their liver and then sometimes their heart and testicles as well? And I just find that I just want to like say did you know about that? Yeah, and I mean open yeah, the floor yeah. for you to respond to some of these ideas.
1: Yeah, typically predator predator uh animals will first eat the the organ meats of course, you know. So it's not it's not a surprise, not a shock at all, you know, any kind of uh that's why the alpha Wolf takes the, the heart and the, and the liver, you know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of prana. There's a lot of energy. There's a concentration of mitochondria in those organs. There's concentration of, uh, minerals and vitamins in those organs. It's very highly concentrated. There's not much intelligence or cultural or tradition that needs to happen to, to break that down and to integrate it into our body. There's not much, it's kind of a plug and play kind of thing. So the reason why, Daniel, that you um, had such a uh, profound effect, you know, when you had that one slice of salmon, when you were basically completely, like you mentioned, hummingbird. That's funny because in Ayurveda, the, the dosha that's imbalanced is the air ether dosha, vata dosha, that can be extremely out of balance when we're eating raw foods, when we're eating um, predominantly low, low density, low nutrient density foods uh, in the form of mostly carbohydrate fruit and, uh, you know, high, high fiber, uh, plant matter. And th- essentially that, that it's, it, there's not much of a matrix for that food to stay in the digestive tract, the Agni or the the digestive power, which is the cholecystokinin, which is the hydrochloric acid in the gut, which is the, the ghrelin, which is the, which is the, uh, these, these, uh, the pancreatic enzymes, the tryptases, the, the, the uh, the and, the, and the, the other enzymes that break down the proteins, those are not present to help integrate the food. And that food is not processed by uh, a manner that makes the micronutrients um, more accessible. Uh, when you integrate food in a matrix of oil, of different aromatic compounds that you're putting, you're using with spice, when you integrate that food with, and you bring fire to it, that Agni, that's taking... Care of uh, of an energetic step, and it's 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 essentially working with your digestion, working with your own agni, and you're able to integrate that prana or that energy from the food in a deeper, more profound way. So when, of course, if you're starving yourself, essentially, or you and your vata dosha is imbalanced, the one thing that we use for vata patients who have vata imbalance, not only do we do, if, if for severe cases, we even do an enema with bone broth, bone broth enema, you know, to if they're, someone's really starving or emaciated, you know, and they, their agni is so low, we need to avoid the portal circulation, avoid the stomach, jataragni, the stomach, and, and you put oil and, and uh, bone broth in the, in the enema, and it's called basti, you know, in Ayurveda, and that can be absorbed, and the person comes back to life, might even wake up with, you know, an urge to meet someone, you know, so, so that is the crux of this raw diet, you know, it's, it, it, someone's, someone's agni needs to really, really shift. Not only that, they need to pair that with other practices that increase the cellular metabolism to a degree that, those, the, the, there's an awakening of the cellular machinery, predominantly the mitochondria, the, the Golgi apparatus. you know, these organelles within the cell so they can be active and translate and produce the proteins and produce the steroids that are necessary to keep us in function. And that requires other techniques. That requires things that are beyond food. So things like pranayama, things like, like uh, you know, you, you're familiar with it, Daniel, like putting your feet on the ground, Jumping in the cold water, like that stuff can help, uh, like activate the mitochondria, you know, activate. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be surviving on a diet like that or surviving on nothing alone, zero, then, then you got to, then you got to tap into what's beyond the material, the flesh. Okay. So, um, so that's, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, to kind of further that along a little bit uh, if i may daniel um yeah it's it's all a question of how are we interacting with our environment you know how are we interacting how are we interacting with life itself in our environment what's the kind of the, what's the poetry what's the story what is the essence of life that we are wanting to embody for example you know on a vegetarian diet the um there are ways to increase libido different type of of techniques you know it's something that we're forced to be more like intentional with i can eat a bison testicle right now and you know that'll you know shoot my testosterone maybe a couple points up you know i can take a little sliver of that raw heart sashimi you know and uh and swallow it down daniel and i might have the substrate to to increase that testosterone but now in the situation that i'm in where I'm eating a kind of like a balanced, predominant uh, vegetable alchemical diet that's warm and that is in alignment with the times of day and the seasons and all this. You know, this is the life wisdom, like knowledge of Ayurveda that's informing my lifestyle. You know when i when I function in that capacity, it's like, okay, do I want to make love tonight? Okay, I have to cultivate that that energy a little bit. I might. You know, and it's it's kind of like a, a, a process, it's kind of like a undulating more swan-like versus the saber-tooth tiger like. <laughs> We're gonna do tantra all night. Maybe we won't jump, jump and run, you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: Mm, I'm, lo- I'm loving the conversation. I might go check on Miss Araya real quick and to take like a, maybe do a couple things like a five minute tour. Does that o- sound okay to you? And then we'll get right back onto the hard on the hard time, hard on.
1: That's fine.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Cool. Yeah. I think she's good. I think it was something to do with the wind and or a combination of like her riling rough, rough up who may have been whining a little bit. He's still a little a puppy. That'd be a big puppy, big puppy. You got any dogs in your life? A little Brahmi over here, yeah. A uh, little Brahmi. What's uh, what kind of dog is that? How old's that doggy?
1: Brahmi. He he came off the streets of uh, East LA uh, a while back. I think kind of just before uh, just before I met you, and uh, and he's, he was feral when, when we met, and he he had a really per- particular personality. He would he would only be uh active at night at the beginning. He was super, super skittish. It took months of just laying him on my chest. He'd shake all the time. You know, he would freeze up. And uh and he came around this this little guy. He's a macho guy. You know, he kind of struts his stuff around. And he's a little guy like
0: this big. He's not whining. That's a bird that we're hearing, correct?
1: Yeah, that's that's a bird. Yeah. I have hummingbirds flying over here.
0: That's yeah, it looks beautiful where you're at. Looks fresh. It looks like healthy. Is that, is that a cactus that I'm seeing? It's kind of weird. Is it coming out of a pot or is it? Yeah, this is a cactus. It's a hummingbird
1: right there uh, that, you, that you can hear. This is a cactus. It's a Wachuma cactus, San Pedro.
0: Cactus. Familiar with that one? I'm A bit. I've never uh, consumed San Pedro, but my understanding is that is something done ceremoniously. Yes,
1: it can be done ceremoniously. It's a strong medicine. It's good for blood sugar. Uh, it's good for the spirit you know, it's a good medicine symptom.
0: So, um, for the other things that I wrote down before, like, what do you think about this thing that's going on with Joe Rogan and Dr. McCullough and uh, Peter or Dr. uh, Malone and Peter McCullough and you have anything to say about all this craziness? Uh, Neil Young is now involved with Spotify and Rumbler. Jeez, I don't know if you keep up with all this, but all of a sudden, which I'm concerned about, it's like people that usually didn't watch the news are all of a sudden starting to watch some news. I mean, they're like it's like inevitable. Like news is like part of our culture all of a sudden in a bigger way than ever. Anywho, you got anything to say about all that?
1: Um, what I have to say about McCullough and and uh Rogan and and the, you know, the doctors who are speaking their minds, it's, you know, God bless them. I, that's what I have to say about that. Uh, it's, it's just beautiful that, um, Malone and all like, and others have been able to express themselves in a very intelligible, accessible way, especially on Rogan's podcast. I mean, that, that was huge. That was huge. The, uh, the kind of the courage and the truth of, of heart that it took to, first of all, entertain that. And also, uh, and also express in such an eloquent and, and accessible way to, to so many people what is the calamity at hand right now. And it, it's uh, I mean it's, it's something that I noticed in my circles, Daniel, that that a lot of people get a little bit overwhelmed with the gravity of what is going on in the pu- public health sphere. Which you know the public health sphere is yeah you can't deny it. It's in your face. It's on the doors. Um, it's, it's, uh, on the radio, it's, it's inundated our life, even in the little bubble that I am here in Topanga, Dan, you know, it, I put on the radio, I'm trying to listen to the wave, listen to some soul and, and, uh, our slow R&B music, you know, i the, the, the commercial that comes on the radio is, you know, if you have a child that's five years old, you know, good, good news, you know, juice them up, bro, this is, this is a a catastrophe of epic proportions when it's coming to public health. It is catastrophe of epic proportions and it takes a chutzpah. It takes a, a, uh, a strength and a resiliency of mind, body and spirit to speak in regard to that. And, you know, thank you for doing that. Thank you to uh, JP Sears, you know, who's really found his stride, you know, in these past uh, few months, like, amazing, amazing, you know, and it's, and it's all heart, it's all love, you know, it's coming from the heart because the contradictory aspect to that is an abstraction and a, a, uh, it's an abstraction, forgive me. It's an abstraction of, um, it's an abstraction, um, for of a, um, it's an abstraction of that that uh that love it's an ab- it's a it's a it's a it's a meta uh it's a meta appreciation of of love and forgive me for losing my train of thought through it but um what i'm trying to express here is the the contradictory force at play it's not a political ideology it's not a cultural ideology it's not a um it's not a it's nothing but Fear that has been disembodied in a in a viral meme type setting. Some cultures refer that as to uh, to as wetiko. It's, it's kind of like a a fear mental virus that results in greed, results in division, results in um, uh, acquisition of of resources in an odd way that's not uh, in that's complete that's in complete discord with. With the human heart, with the human spirit, with frankly life itself on this planet. So life, life is is a is a frequency. That's why I name my practice vital harmonics. You know, it's a it's a it's a frequency that we choose to tune into. You know, as we as we come forth on this on this planet here, it's it's something that that requires a a, a conglomerate of these elements that I mentioned earlier: than the Earth, the fire, the water, the ether. Okay, in the air, it's, the, it's a conglomeration. it's a story that has been sung by our ancestors. It's been being embodied by us right now, but there's that fear. It, 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 it wants to dissociate from that, from that history and that tradition of life, the way of life that we, have, w- that we are stewarding and cultivating and celebrating in on this planet. And um, you know, these things with the mandates, these things with, the, with, the, uh, with, with genetically modified crops, with genetically modified human beings, now that we're seeing, and I'm speaking very forthright with this because it's been at the tip of my tongue for the past couple of weeks, and I've been somewhat paralyzed in my own discourse because of uh, these tools of further division that have been being that have been used quite quite apparently in the context of someone like Joe Rogan that uh, are getting in the way of that heart being expressed, of that life, of that love for for life and the expression of life to be expressed, of that that, that way of life to be expressed. Whether you're a vegetarian, whether you are eating organ meats, that's a story that that we engage in. We honor life in another living being. We honor life in the living ground. You know, we honor the the uh the water as it it's flowing. But when we, when we go and we become a satellite that is compartmentalized and, and, and just an artifact of a fear of that life, you know, that's, that's, that's not conducive to what we've been cultivating for since the beginning, since the beginning of time, since, since we were little cell organisms. This is a real, a real crucible, a real turning point in the history of not just human beings on this planet of all life on this planet all life you know it's all life on this planet are being being confronted with this a, a choice it's like do we honor our experience and our pedigree and our history and our um are the beat of our heart or are we um do we want to be an nft of what this reality is if that makes sense, <laughs>
0: Makes enough sense to me when when you said GMO human beings. What do you can you clarify what you mean by that? So, you know, it's
1: no one knows what's what's in in the juice, Dan. Um, so an mRNA is a piece of genetic material that's uh, infiltrating the uh, the cellular uh, the cellular substrate the, the the cellular environment itself and is being used by host ribosomes or basically protein, protein translating machinery within the cell to create uh, a protein called the S protein, right? So that spike protein is something that we are told, you know, even as clinicians, I don't have access to the compounds in Moderna, in Pfizer, you know, if I could speak those words, they almost seem like, you know, a a, a, a taboo at at this moment in time. But, uh, you know, those, those Um, that is what, you know, even with the adenovirus, the Johnson and Johnson, it's adenovirus is a double, double double-stranded DNA virus. So when it, when it, you have the reverse transcriptase that divides it apart, splits it apart, essentially you have one side of it that's functioning just like that mRNA is in the Pfizer-Moderna. Apparently it's coding for the spike protein, but it could be coding for any other protein. There could be, you know, um, start and stop codons in there that are, uh, inserting different, um, different uh genetics within the human organism just like uh just like roundup ready crops are uh modified in in plants you know so this is something that we definitely have technology has been studied for diseases like leukodystrophies it's been studied for diseases like huntington's disease just to splice out remove problematic genetic you know code in people who have so-called you know genetic disease um and I say so-called because the Ayurveda looks at that a little bit different even, you know? Um, so, so we have that technology. It's they're apparent. Who's to say what exactly is going on? And just like the audacity of human beings uh, has proved in the past, when, when humanity tries to arbitrate the, the beautiful miracle that life is, when humanity tries to arbitrate the immensity of that, of that miracle, and it tries to play with that. You know, oftentimes, then more often than not, it is humbled in a very, very dramatic way. Hmm. So, anyway, that's my that's my take. What on. um what takeo
0: is that the word?
1: What takeo? what ko or watiko? That's an anishinaabe word, um, the jibway language to describe, you know, when someone in a tribe It's not. There's a, there's a, there's a kind of that boogeyman is called Wendigo, but it's also to describe a sickness that maybe someone in the tribe would, would get, who wants to have everything for themselves and who wants, who, who stops seeing things as a complete, uh, unit, complete organism, complete tribe. And they, and they kind of go off on their own and they're acting in a way that is, uh, not exactly, uh consistent with morality or how else do I describe it that's governed by greed by by lack of any kind of moral compass by uh, it's essentially what we see in in cells in the human body that start acting aberrantly start acting without concern for their for for their host uh, essentially that way you know I'm getting a little bit heavy philosophical here man but uh, yeah that's that's uh, been characterized in the past by some authors who've talked in depth about Watico. There's the guy by the name of paul levy who uh, wrote a book about wetiko and uh, you know a friend of mine he's uh, he's dakota Sioux. in their language is wetikoko you know they have they've characterized them they have no choice but someone displaying that they need to kind of extradite them and and uh, exile them excuse me exile them from the community because they're problematic
0: Pretty fascinating because um, <laughs> you know when we were playing with the art of tribe design right. <laughs> in British Columbia there with a very powerful group. I mean, you were there, uh, you like we mentioned, Kevin, Ryan, JP, Jordan, Tyson, Frank J, Diana, a whole plethora of other women. Elliot Hulse was he there for a while and and then there was something that happened. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that too clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, so, I do, visibly Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was almost the embodiment of what we're alluding to in this conversation.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was an ex- expression of a, a of definitely a confusion of polarity. You know, questioning of, of life when being confronted by it, which is sometimes brings up, a, um, brings up a lot. You know, and when, when people are overwhelmed with with the beauty uh, of life and the beauty of, of, of love it sometimes it functions as agni as fire itself and when you have agni that's at the bottom of let's say a crucible we talk about in, in alchemy or some someone doing a chemical experiment it's basically a a glass a glass uh, uh, uh a glass beaker and then you have a fluid underneath that and you have the flame underneath that and when you want to distill something out of it when you want to clarify it you use fire as a kind of a clarifying force and that fire is essentially the force of life, love, and, and putting that energy into it, you know, tends to bring things to the surface. Tends to bring things to the surface that ideally can be, can be witnessed, experienced, and then surpassed. And moved past. So that's what I feel like, we're, you know, part of, Part of what I'm witnessing, Dan, and from my reflection and my observation um, in the in the past uh, couple of year period we've we've been going through, it's really it's like you know the earth is is how serious are you about life you know like how 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 serious are you about what you believe in what you're where your heart is at how serious are you about freedom how serious it's just it's a crucible you know and it's uh it's a beautiful thing and you know uh and I'm really grateful for for just people stepping up, individuals like you, um, and the people who I mentioned, Joe Rogan, you know, people, you know, even, even just, I find myself like just having a, a relatively low tolerance for anything that could possibly spurn confusion or, uh, uh, or just mis- misguidance. Just, you know, I got out of my gig, you know, because of, because of it, it's just, a uh, uh, little pressure to, Kind of walk in a straight line. So once we transition out there, you know, the, the earth can kind of breathe a little bit easier because its human beings are going to be uh, a little bit more in alignment with the uh, the elements of life that keep keep the keep the the wheels turning.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, and then for LA, you know, I haven't been to LA in the last couple of years. Is it like really they're like doing things like sh- making people show proof of their juice? Is that a real thing? Because I haven't ever visited a place. I do see a place down the street in Boulder, like Boulder Theater says that. But I've never even attempted to go on to go to a show even since I saw the advertisement. But I'm like, is this legitimately happening in a lot of places?
1: Yeah, LA County proper, um, yes. I believe Ventura County not as not as problematic. San Diego not as problematic. But LA County, if you want to dine in a restaurant, you need to. Present uh, a paper with some squiggles on it, I guess, and um, and also if you're going to be dining out in the on the terrace, I don't think it's it's required or necessary. But you know, funny enough, I haven't really found myself with either one of the options. There, you know, a couple things. Yeah, it depends on on who's there. Who's you know, it's, at the end of the day? It's individual by individual basis who's complying with what what narrative has been. Uh, what narrative is is, is, is uh, feeding their actions and whatnot.
0: And back to the juice, you know, you said you couldn't even figure out the ingredients yourself. Um, yeah. If I understood that properly, like, is it true that there's fetal tissue in some of the, whether it's the one yeah. of these for the current one and or other ones, fetal tissue? Yes. Research has, has into that topic uh, has,
1: revealed that yes embryonic i think at least embryonic stem cells or perhaps fetal derived stem cells have been used in culturing um some of the components of of the of the shots so on that alone it's kind of unsavory from that perspective i mean it's just a reflection of how we have by we i mean the status quo scientific establishment and me being a human myself, I am, I, I find, you know, I, I take responsibility in some regard to that you know, because I'm, I'm a human being and, and, and I am the story of man in that way. So, so I, I uh, kind of have some solidarity with that we that I'm talking about and yes, they are using that and they've been exp- abstracted and they are just looking at life as a, as a, as a machine, as a tool, life's not a machine life has a spirit, you know, life, life has, uh, has, uh, there's a soul to it. There's a beauty to it. You know, it's, uh, there's, uh, you know, and that, and I think it, uh, you know, it comes back like, Hey, you know, do you see that? Have you witnessed that? Have you been involved with that? Do you give gratitude to that? Is it undeniable for you? Great. Okay. You operate in a little bit different way than if you're, Your mind is somewhere else it's confused and has been distracted from the grace that makes you possible so
0: and we're talking just to clarify if you know or not i don't know i don't know really who knows like when you said see it with your own eyes i doubt you've ever seen this process take place of using embryonic or fetal tissue to create a culture for a vaccine ingredient are we talking pig or human or and or or any animal? Do you know about that? It's
1: been used in the past, and I think what was implied in the literature that I've brought up it um, has been uh, human. But regardless, you know, a vaccine at its most fundamental is comprised of two different components. Okay, you have an adjuvant. Okay, which is the component that's basically spurring that immune response. Okay, so adjuvants that are commonly used are aluminum sulfate, squalene, different things that's, that present somewhat of a noxious, noxious response, like the marisol part of an adjuvant, that mercury. So the body has a reaction to these components, regardless of what else is in the shot. Like, for example, diphtheria vaccine, right? Diphtheria uses the diphtheria toxoid, okay, which is an inactivated toxin. So it's presenting that protein to the immune system in conjunction with an adjuvant that's already providing an inflammatory response so the body thinks that it's the toxoid that is insulting it so it starts to mount an immune response to that now think about this if you put an adjuvant if you put an adjuvant in a shot something that's going to be noxious to the system on a broad level like aluminum sulfate like squalene like the, whatever i just mentioned if you put that in conjunction with any protein. And this has been studied in the past, Dad. You go on uh, pubmed.gov and you can look up different proteins that scientists, researchers, medical in my field, have coupled adjuvant to in order to create an immune response to that protein. So if you couple adjuvant with sperm protein, you can eat as much of those Rocky Mountain Prairie oysters, okay, as you want, but it's still not going to give you, uh, uh, you're still going to be, you know, the, there's, still, there's still going to be an issue with, with virility there. <laughs> oh, sim- oh, you
0: mean if there was something like in a vaccine that, or you're saying that had this adjuvant? What's the word you're using? A- A-D- A-D-J-U-V-A-N-T, adjuvant adjuvant. And what exactly is an adjuvant?
1: An adjuvant is something that is coupled with the moiety or the, the, the protein of interest that that we want to build an immune response against. And I use the diphtheria example. Okay, um, It could be something like, uh, what's another example? Tetanus uses a toxoid. Um, there's, there's other components, uh, in like, for example, the some influenza uh, vaccines or insufflations, is, it's, uh, it is a senescent or it is a inactivated full virus, viral components that are used. But if you just inject toxoid into someone inactivated te- te- uh, tetanus or diphtheria toxoid, it's not going to have any immune response. The body's just going to Eat it up and just do away with it but it needs that adjuvant to inflame it essentially inflame the body to some degree so it starts attacking whatever is coupled with that and oftentimes people for example in Guillain-Barré paralysis um, that sometimes people can get subsequent to an immunization it has been very well characterized with flu shots and with other shots which results in essentially people losing all functionality of their lower extremity there is a an inflammation that can occur you know for whatever reason there's an inflammation to you know, a, a protein that's found in the in the in the myelin sheath of the of the nerve that's causing you know a, a an immune response to that so it's really a delicate area when you're playing with adjuvants and when you're unaware of exactly what kind of proteins that are also present in the sh- I could be disguised the sky, it's not the limit, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, the people can get creative with it is what I'm saying.
0: And, um, on the current one, the current one, how, how is this now that I'm a little more familiar with this new terminology, where does that fit into this current?
1: So I'm in, when you're looking at, at the current, uh, the current juice in, in the context of the global political scheme, um, it just makes me, as a clinician uh, and as a human being with uh, observational capabilities and you know critical thinking uh, skills, uh, I like to think, a little bit more wary of aberrant components in the uh, shot that might be contributing to immune response to. Uh, parts of the body that are not unwanted by individual undergoing such treatment.
0: Meaning. Yeah. Because I'm still trying to figure, um, I mean, I understand we might be talking yeah, so it, and.
1: Right, right. Right. I'm not trying to talk in code here, Dan. It's just, what I'm trying to say is that um, it's, it, there's, there's definitely been a lack of trust from that, that yes. has uh, incurred from the public and even clinicians like myself to the um, establishment of the likes of Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson and Johnson, Unilever, whoever it is, you know, and um, also the the government. So who's to say putting in a small little protein that can cause a uh, you know devastating calamity in the physiology of human beings is not difficult at all? First of all, it's been done in in um, at least transparently in many studies in the past and not to mention we're also adding another component of of gene modification in the in the in the context of mrna uh technology uh as well as uh the recombinant dna technology that we see in johnson johnson that's being used that's having a viral, viral vector uh, in 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 this um in this uh, modality so uh it's in this vehicle, I guess you could say. So it's it there's there's a lot of room, a lot of room, a lot of room you know, with great facility for for uh I guess it, you know, I could I could say the word fuckery.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, you know, I, uh, just a, here's a all right. let's go to the horse urine. i going back to the <laughs> horse urine. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm bringing this back. Cause I, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people in this, the fields of bison ranching to USDA processing to you can guess it. That has to do with creating a dietary supplement. And um one of the things I've been hearing is that, Oh, we can't, they, they can't do the thyroid. They can't uh harvest the thyroid. That's kind of, you know, that's, the, the, and, and I've kept, um, what was that?
1: They can't harvest a uh, horse, horse
0: thyroid or what? No, is no, no. The uh, bison thyroid. Got it. And um, I don't know. I, I didn't get directly told this by my guest, but something it has to do with something like the farm pharma, was well, pharmaceutical campaign or company or, um and, I, and then my I talked to my dad about it a little bit. He's like, you know, I think there's something with the horse urine. I think a lot of thyroid medications are derived from horse urine. I was like, what? Are you joking me? Do you know do you know anything about this? I would love to just because a thyroid. He And then my dad also mentions like, yeah, he's like, yeah, most people his age, like a third of them at least are on thyroid medications consistently. And I'm like, what's going on with this thyroid? No, there's a lot of um,
1: people who, when they take nature throid, or, um, or it's called nature thyroid or armor thyroid. Most, most of the thyroid medication that people are on, it's, it, the, the name is pretty self-explanatory. It's called Synthroid. So it's a synthetic levothyroxine. Levothyroxine is um, the left-handed isomer of thyroxine T4 thyroid hormone. Synthroid is, is just synthetic thyroid hormone. Some people, some people's uh, physicians... They feel more comfortable from a uh, a biologically synthesized uh, thyroid hormone. Oftentimes, it's porcine thyroid that's uh, blended and uh, packaged into pills. It's not as quantifiable by the microgram as something like a synthroid, Um, but people do use porcine thyroid, and sometimes it might go by the name of nature nature thyroid. I'm not super. uh, That's that's you know from my uh, reading I, I could be wrong that's what it is could you extract from a large quantity of horse urine Thyroid potentially pregnant horses no no that's premarin so premarin is used as a bio, as a as, an, as a bioidentical um, hormone for uh, luteinizing and follicular simulating hormone and estrogen in in and in uh, women who are have reached menopause
0: Huh. yeah who knows maybe i'm confusing conversations or someone else confused topics
1: yeah premarin is for the mares the pregnant mares they will excrete like a large quantity of different estrogens in their urine and that's used as an exogenous estrogen by women they will either put it in a dermal uh, ointment or they'll uh, have an injectable where they're giving themselves the bioidentical hormones
0: yeah, I'm fascinated by all of this, like, like especially the derivatives of medicine and where they come from. And it sounds like you are as well. Is there, um, because you know, I know we're coming close to potentially saying till next time, is there anything you want to make sure that we talk about that we have not? Absolutely. Did I lose you there for a second, Dan? You may have. Did you hear what I asked you at the, at the end? <laughs> Close for a minute there. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I was just saying, basically, uh, we might be coming close to a conclusion here uh, yeah. for this this conversation. So, is there anything that you want to make sure that we talked about that we may have not yet?
1: Um, you know, the I think you've asked some good questions, Dan, and I think that uh, you know, right right now these days, our our curiosity and our attention, our hearts are guiding us for the most part. I think we hit a lot of uh, prevalent topics for both of us, you know, as far as catching up and whatnot. So do you have any other questions for me, Dan? I, you were in the middle of the, I think the, the phrase, the thought that you were on was you had something to say about kind of the derivatives of, you know, where these medicines
0: are coming from. Well, I think it's a golden thread that probably connects us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm by
1: where things are coming from. What, how that relates to their story? You know, there's a there's a whole story to things that we we take into and put into our body. You know, and there's and Ayurveda characterizes in kind of different ways. You know, we look at <coughs> different qualities. There's first of all, there's the taste of that medicine or that food. It's called rasa, and then there's also a um, quality, either hot or cold, you know that's called the uh, the vipak. Okay, uh, could be rough, hot, cold. That's kind of like the secondary quality of it. Uh, and then you have the final quality or the virya of that. So that's after that food or medicine is digested. What is the end effect? That end quality. So all everything in our natural world has been essentially characterized by these: the vipak, the virya, the rasa. And they all have different qualities. And sometimes they'll surprise you. You know, an herb that tastes pungent or bitter after it's digested will have a sweet effect on the body and our body's constitution. So it's just a wonderful kind of um, way to interact with our external environment and really understand what some might call the spirit or the soul of these, these compounds and these animals um and uh it's just a way to to celebrate life by interacting with our external environment and help using it to help us be healthy and walk you know on a path of 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 grace and embodiment of you know full expression of freedom you know by by doing that we're we're weaving ourselves deeper into that tapestry of life we're more embedded into it we're more involved with it and we've sustain each other I and mean, that's the beauty of life that's the beauty of these relationships the beauty of remembering um this you know that that story and uh it's something that you know at least in my practice i tried to bring patients into a, a you know a deeper more resonant harmonic with that with that story of life so they can you know they can they can find that that purpose and meaning and then that love in their step you know so they can you know be free to do things like speak on a on a podcast, or or uh, uh, you know help the help the world through you know making them more healthy through whatever means, uh, you know, cow testicles and whatnot.
0: <laughs> well, uh, and that would be bison bull testicles to be specific. Okay. Bison bull testicles.
1: Bison testicles, and bison American
0: art. American bison bull testicles. <laughs> exactly. The essence of I mean. You know, as you're talking, yeah, yeah I, as my understanding is are these animals thrived? Now, thriving now, good, and thrived way before humans came here. Four hundred million. Four hundred million. What? What do you, what do you say for
1: Four hundred million bison head on the on
0: the on the Great Plains. There's four hundred million. You said.
1: At some point in time,
0: yeah, i yeah, I've heard all kinds of numbers, yeah, I've, yeah, and then and then apparently in the, almost the late eighteen hundreds they almost went extinct, like people were starting to collect bones because they thought they were all gone we, we're we're we're, cra- we're a crazy, we're a crazy herd, this humanity, and thank you for including were like me and you too, because like you know yeah we I guess so we are, when I say we, I guess we are speaking. I like to clarify when i say we and i guess in this context we are speaking of we the human race yeah. this is gorilla's man uh have you ever read ishmael or any of the daniel quinn's books it seems like you may have for some reason <laughs> i did read ishmael
1: I was in college yeah
0: gorillas i don't know where you i don't know where your uh, heart and head is at. like did we evolve from primate like from that or is there something different um it's a whole nother conversation. If you want to talk about that for a second, I'm happy to. Before we say so long, um, but yeah, being around gorillas—is there something convicting about it? It's like, okay. Oh my gosh! I mean, I when I am witnessing, even I've only maybe
1: seen gorilla via video in recent times, and it—I mean—it definitely strikes a deep genetic chord in me. I think personally. Um, <laughs> my father he's got an interesting uh character to him you know sometimes he he uh just the way he walks <laughs> and the way he moves around he's got a real kind of like ape-like presence to him <laughs> and i feel that in my own self so i they definitely feel like like brothers and when i see them i see the gaze and i see um just i can i read them and i feel them uh, they, they're not so far distant from from humanity, you know? Uh, I mean, if you look at anthropology, I studied anthropology when I was, when I was younger, you know, we see the Homo erectus, we see the Homo heidelbergensis. Hy- all these, the, the transition from, you know, the great apes to, to humanity. There was some really interesting fossil evidence that, that, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole hominid stuff, but yes, in short, um, gorillas, uh, it are close to home. I feel very connected with them. And no, without a doubt, there are brothers, even a monkey it seems like, you know, it could be, you know, a little, my little baby, you know?
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Those critter those cr- <laughs> amazing animals. Sometimes I, most of the time I've, for monkeys and gorillas, I've, I've seen monkeys in Costa Rica, actually, and areas heard them, seen them not at all. Under anyone's fence or control, but the gorillas I've probably seen in the zoos, and then I think of that book, Life of Pi. Have you read that book?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Man, well, it's it's a weird thing to see, and it's very interesting to see Davina see a gorilla in the zoo because I'm like, wow, seeing this gorilla could really change someone. And is there, how much can we change about this system of gorillas and zoos and such? I don't know, I don't know. It's just, it brings up a lot of big, big um, heart topics, including the one about are humans from gorillas or are we something different? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I tend to lean towards the different um, and I don't deny the connection. I mean, I don't deny the connection with any animal. I'm talking from squirrels to gorillas to stink bugs
1: <laughs> right right you yeah, know there's there's that frequency of life that's kind of going through all those uh those forms and those expressions
0: yeah. well uh, man thanks for some time today I, i'm stoked to see you when i do are you um like single are you in a relationship what's going on with you uh-
1: you know, actually, I do have a, a woman very dear to me um, that we're cultivating relationship. She's, she's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She's at the Ayurveda school right now, actually. Her name's Samantha. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's a beautiful young lady. You know, I respect her. And uh, we've been navigating and finding our way, you know, in this, this whole process and uh, hopefully looking to cultivate something.
0: Yeah the ayurveda I love I love how that's been such a strong topic I'm looking at some of the most beautiful pink and purple uh, clouds right now yeah. yeah like it's fun to look at your like at you cuz you have a beautiful background and I'm like man my window right now you're looking through my window right now is popping off <laughs> beautiful um ayurveda it's, it seems like there's a lot there that I, and as a constant theme for a lot of the people that I uh, interviewed for the show and yeah. including the, la- the past guest. And, um, you know, it was interesting when you were talking about the stomach and the fire. Yeah. Um, something about that. I could like really resonate that with that. I was like, yeah, that's kind of like, I don't really need to eat much, but when I do, I can digest anything almost real quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, high and, pitta. And what was that? You have your pitta predominant, uh, Daniel. That's your dosha, your constitution. It, it it's uh, sometimes characterized by that fire and, and water element, and uh, it, that agni, that jatra agni, tends to be high in those pitta individuals, and even higher at noontime, You know, when the pitta the agni, when the agni jatra agni is the highest. So, so just as you, as an individual, everyone has a different. You know, set of elements that kind of makes makes comprises them and has different balance for you. That that Pitta is right at the forefront.
0: So it's no uh, metabolism skip. I'm sure there's a lot to more to dive into from there. Oh, here's a question because someone personal to me got yeah. diagnosed with bladder cancer. Okay, and then so. I, and I, I would like to know, because we it sounds like there's a pretty standard procedure. Like, you know, they scope it out from my understanding and then they do this like TERP thing where they like inject tuberculosis into the bladder to like amplify a local uh, immune response. And that's like the typical treatment that usually works. You know anything about that? Urology, I mean, there's a
1: lot of big strides in urology. Transdurethral, um, um, well, TERP refers to transurethral resection of the prostate. I believe. Um, but but a, a cystoscopy is you know a transurethral procedure where where the the camera will go through the urethra uh, and into the bladder, and then you know the the wall can be visualized and uh, what needs to be ablated can be ablated. If they're using tuberculin type compounds or Organism there, I'm not super familiar with that. It's not my subspecialty, and uh, and it seems like relatively local, local localized treatment and resection stuff. You know, you hear about complete bladder resections and you know, synthetic bladders being put in, you know, if needed. But uh, it's local to the the wall. You know, the biopsy is done first from the cystoscopy. And that biopsy will see, you know, how much involvement is there of the muscle, of um, surrounding tissue. You know, how involved it is, and what kind of, what degree of resection is necessary. Maybe already gathered that from imaging.
0: Well, yeah, I guess I was. Oh man, the clouds got pinker. <laughs> I was thinking about the. Uh, You tied, uh, like if there was like, uh, what that might tie into, what does bladder tie into with the Ayurvedic medicine or. um, oh That's why I'm like, really, that's why it really opens the door to me because I'm very into, I've been handling a lot of organs, actually, and eating a lot of organs and thinking about a lot of organs. And all of a sudden, someone's close to me talking about organ issues. And I'm like, man uh what we i would be curious what the bladder is tied to and other things like probably we could talk for days on those other ones but if there is anything that comes up around that
1: there's always correspondence daniel yeah, so the genito urinary system which comprises the bladder the kidney the urethra uh, as far as uh you know from the looking at it from kind of the, the bigger gestalt which is you know sometimes we get confused we think ayurveda is unique to the subcontinent but essentially it's just the a a deep wisdom of life it doesn't necessarily is not doesn't necessarily have to be defined by the culture that has stewarded that basic life wisdom for all these centuries and these millennia you know it just so happens that this lineage has um, excuse me this lineage has cultivated that knowledge for this period of time and there are different, um, so that trotas or that channel of the urinary channel is, um, something that we look at to make sure that, you know, elimination practice is good. Um, this is also tied in with the, the, this, uh, the, the pelvic, uh, type of, uh, chakra. So we're looking at things like creativity. We're looking at things like, um, just in general elimination, we're looking at things as far as you know vigor and life and passion in life, like these kind of things, you know when there's uh, effect on that there you know as far as when we when we look at a hard type of consolidation that occurs in malignancy, there needs to be a weakness first and foremost in the tissue for that aMA or that undigested metabolic excess to kind of lodge itself in the tissue so Why was there a weakness in that area is something to look at, you know, um, sometimes, uh, when we talk about some or disease process, that Mm -hmm. weakness can either be due to a damage to the, um, the organ itself through trauma or through sometimes chemical damage. Oftentimes a lot of people will get bladder, uh, epithelial malignancy from being exposed to chemical dyes in their workplace. Um, like you know, vinyl chlorides and things like that. Um, so that is chemical damage that can lead to weakness of the tissue where ama can move in and, and create issue. Um, even just mechanical damage from uh, from neglect of, of the area. You know, holding holding urine for a long time could potentially cause these issues, damage to the detrusor muscle, or chronic cystitis. You know chronic cystitis might, might result in that or just different exposures, you know, when it comes to what brings weakness to that area. Um, but as far as what to allegorically look at, you know, with the, with the, with the bladder, I mean, it's just recognizing that signature of, okay, retention, you know, the bladder is a, is a reservoir that's, that's designed to retain urine until it's the appropriate time to relieve, you know, so what is, where is there a problem with, you know, retention in life as far as that would be my vitalistic perspective, you know, to, to, uh, observe in that, in that fashion, you know, looking at that, that archetype of, of retention of genital urinary passion, you know, where does that, where's the, where's the core of that? When I work with my patients that I look at, or I always look at what is this, what is this, um, manifestation or presence of what is this telling me about something deeper in, in the psyche or deeper in that person's history or that family or what is going on? What's the crux there that is related to that's, that's related to this, this, um, this, uh, manifestation, this locations, this manifestation, the characteristics of such, what, when, when did this manifest, what was going on at that period of time and what is it cluing us into? you know, as far as, um, you know, what is it point? It's always pointing us to a direction of something that that, uh, that will bring us more awareness, you know, in the end, you know, because they say ta- they say disease is the highest form of tapas or penance. It's the most awakening and most, um, you know, it can be a, an enlightening thing. Of course, we don't want things to get to that point. You know, we want to address imbalance before it lodges itself into tissue and manifests that way. Um, and it's an opportunity to go down that rabbit hole and undo the knot of what it might be, the string of yarn might be connected to. That's kind of my approach.
0: Wow, wow. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, man. Do you have any questions for me?
1: Uh, Hope you're well, Daniel. Um, How are you, you know... I've got. I'm sure I've got so many questions <laughs> on how you're doing. It'd be lovely to to catch up in person at some point in time, and uh, I trust that uh, you're doing well. What's What are you most excited about now? You know, for the next uh, six months here, Dan?
0: I'll oh, yeah. I'll answer that uh, to whatever is you know. All these days, I get to actually be somewhat calculated about what I talk <laughs> about. <laughs> Most exciting but I'll, yeah most exciting is really uh what I want I, to talk about in this in this context of this conversation is tribe vitamins and continuously exploring like um the idea is like medicine or foods foods that were used as uh medicines before there were pharmacies and that kind of intrigues me and uh, that's why oysters intrigue me as well when I, when I was asking about the oysters because they have a similar thing um. And, you know, how these different tribes, apes, before there was ever government involvement, and anything to do with the food system, I also find that part pretty captivating. So, yeah, I feel really called to this. And I'm bringing a lot more awareness to 100% grass-fed, like bison, free, you know, just roaming the prairie, fertilizing the soil, regenerating the land. Um, I really think that's one of the best things for our land right now and for our bodies if you're choosing to eat meat and... uh so, try vitamins, I'm super passionate about, definitely. And other things that, you know, that's opening up the creativity for other things, like for even breaking them all the book. I love doing this podcast. I love doing this podcast and the book, uh, just learning more about how life works. <laughs> that's why I asked you about your book. I was like, you know, from everything, I, I keep getting reminded of how potent it is for the author and the readers for books to be manifest. And when I talk to you, I'm like, oh, it sounds like you've you got a book in you, at least one, at least, you know, more than one. So yeah, I'm excited about surrounding myself with th- th- thriving life and choosing that, choosing those bubbles and bumping into those bubbles and realizing there's other bubbles out there. And to, I guess, maybe bump into those when I feel called. right
1: thanks yeah. honor to 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 see you witness you and uh appreciate you um much love to you and your family eh?
0: thank you man yeah right back at you and uh to be continued right on. we'll have to do like a room swap one day i got the creek i'm like looking at your, your our backgrounds are similar in some ways because i live right next to the canyon as well where the water is running Next to my favorite polar plunging spot, and there's something special about that. That's one of the bubbles I chose. So, well, uh, I'll look forward to our bubbles bumping.
1: <laughs> nice, let me
0: bump away. We get, you know, can have a, a bubble party. <laughs> one of my favorites. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks for everything. Right on, Dennis. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.